Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. The first sin and its punishment. Did I ever tell you that God's a chimpanzee? Well, not the God of everything, but the God of you and me. Chilka, to be precise, great uncle in the tree. It was millions of years ago. Let me try and set the scene. Did I ever tell you that Eden had no ground? For when hand-like feet could hover, then safety could be found. For the earth was filled with danger, the like rarely seen today. But in leafy fruity branches, our ancestors hid away. God don't have no smooth face. In fact, he's very hairy. And so are all the angels who hang on high in heavenly branches. God said to the archangel, It's getting crowded up here. Food is stretched. Belly's unfulfilled. We need a sparser sphere. Then his own tummy rumbled and he set his sights on Eve. She eats the most, God complained, and I've warned her against her greed. Eve knew she was in trouble. Chimp Satan said I could. He's not the boss, God snapped. And I've seen Adam scoffing too. Adam gulped in fear, for he'd glimpsed life outside the trees. Giant eagles swooped. Leopards pounced. Hyenas had bone-crushing teeth. Adam wanted to be an angel, so he tried to shift the blame. She gave me the fruit and I ate, he explained. And Eve was guilty again. But necessity is the mother of loyalty. In time they would be friends. God conferred with the angels. We are the strong, we can decide. He pointed to the savannah. Let us make humankind. Some doubted it could be endured, for there were beasts with mighty speed. But God was alpha male, so they dared not disagree. Humans will sweat and toil to get the least of what they need. Won't they perish? Archangel asked. Just you wait and see. Thanks to God, we had to run. There's no safety in the trees. Yet the hunted became the hunters. Then the animals weren't free. The fear and dread of you shall rest on every animal on the earth. Into your hands they are delivered. For thousands of years, chimps didn't care. There was room for human attitude. But each creature had its reckoning, for humans always subdue. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that lives on earth. Now chimpanzees are moving and they may be angels, but to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. We farmed and we fenced, fenced in ourselves, built structures higher than the trees. We even fenced the rainforest in, so we curbed the chimpanzees. But did God not say, just as I give you the green plants, I give you everything. The trees are green and part of everything. Chop down the trees. When trees are gone, demand thrives on. Plant what can regrow quickly. Trees to farm or the cocoa bean. God is able to bless you abundantly. But is this greed, want or need? Does our appetite have validity? For when God gave us the earth, was this really what he meant? 
or was he trying to pacify us as he tipped us out the fold into naked, sun-scorched uncertainty and then God lost control? <laughs> You're on Community Radio 3CR. This is the Spoken Word Program presented today by Santo Katsati, that's me. And we heard at the start there, The First Sin and Its Punishment by Laura Fisher, read by her. Laura is our guest poet on the program today, so welcome to 3CR Spoken Word. Thanks, Santo. It's great to be here. Good, good. I usually like to introduce a guest on this program with a few biographical details, stuff about their life, their achievements in poetry, and so on and so on. And I usually get the guest to send me the official authorised biography, and I just read it out on air. But, well, you know, life has been pretty hectic for us all lately, what with this, that and the other, especially the other, that dreaded thing that keeps infiltrating itself into people all over the world these days. Uh, and so I just never got around to asking. So, Laura, I'm afraid it's going to have to be a do-it-yourself bio from you, so let it rip, and please, no false modesty. No worries, Santo. So I'm from Welling Garden City, which is a small town north of London. Um, when I was young, I was quite intense and serious, um, so I went to study English literature and religion at Manchester University, but I started to drive myself crazy asking life big questions and I wasn't getting any answers so um, I went into a career in a caring role. Uh, I moved to Bristol for most of my 20s which was a great city to live in. I came to Melbourne at the age of 30 and um, one of the reasons I decided to stay here was because I just loved, loved, loved the Melbourne spoken word scene. I became the MC of Girls on Key which is a popular um, spoken Word Night, the first Wednesday of every month at um, Open Studio in Northcote, and I'm now the convener of Girls on Key. I've been published in the Dan Poets Anthology. In 2020, I was shortlisted for the Island Short Story Competition, and I've also written a novel, Autumnal Equinox, which um, hasn't been published, but I'm hoping it will be in the future. It will probably be me who has to publish it. <laughs> The old do-it-yourself, isn't that right? Um, oh, I'm jealous. I'm, I didn't know most of that stuff. I knew about Girls on Keys. Um, I didn't know about Manchester. I love Manchester. Um, and yes, indeed, I have been to Manchester University. Um, well, that's, that is amazing. Uh, I, I am gobsmacked. Um, your time is up. Let's have another poem from you. I stretch out a stick, the peripheries of a branch, 
I want to be just like the tree, new shape, mismatched, twisty, a hand that mixes, the claw, the paw and the jaw, not a half star of neatly rounded fives, teamed up in two fives equals ten, the basis of numerical order, no, tree mathematics is different. You might count for centuries until you found a pattern. In the forest of individuals, there could never be an order. Or, at least, it seemed so to me when I pretended to be a tree.3CR, this is the Spoken Word Programme. Back before, we heard Laura Fisher's Tree Perspective, read by the author herself. Then we had a bit of jazz from Dave Brubeck's album Jazz Impressions of New York. Now, did you all like those twisty, turny saxophone lines? I thought they'd go well with the imagery in the poem of twisty, turny tree branches. And the poem also had mathematical references, so I couldn't help choosing this mathematically complicated piece of jazz. Now, uh, anyone out there who knows music, tell me if you can work out the time signature of this piece that you just heard. Um, Anyway, enough indulgent drollery on my part. This is a spoken word program, however much I may think spoken word is really music. And now we are coming up to a rather difficult but fun part of the program, 
Sometimes my guests have written poems where there are two characters in dialogue. You can read it on the page and it makes an impact. But I personally think it makes an even greater impact when read aloud by two people. So Laura and I will read her dialogue, Genesis. Laura plays Eve and I play Adam. In the beginning, the earth was a dark and formless void, 6,000 years ago. In the beginning, the earth was a melting, toxic mass, 4.6 billion years ago. From up on high, God blew, and his breath descended upon earth as sweeping winds, skimming waters. Meteorites sucked, flocked, crashed, struck, merged, growing. This will be more than just another rock. God's next gift was light. As simple as his word, he separated it from night. So we live in black and white. Mightier than earth was Thea. She passed like a tidal wave and struck like a bomb. Moon crumbled off. She could no longer be part of earth. But she'd never leave him. She rotated around like he was the sun and earth spun at moon's mercy in a quick six-hour loop. Water rolled low and water churned high. God constructed a dome to separate. Did you know, up in the sky wells an ocean of love. The floods down below were gathered together, continents to its left and right. The stage is set for life. The meteorite rain continued to fall. Some of these travelling rocks brought water particles and over a billion years oceans were formed, a few drops at a time. Did you know that great love gathers consistently and slowly continents to its left and right? The stage is set for life. It did not take God long to crowd the world that he had created. Such was his power, imagination and work ethic. In just one day, he filled the sea and the skies, from the plainest of fish to the fiercest of sea beasts, and up in the dome, birds flew of every kind, from the graceful strokes of mighty wings to the zimming hum of tiny flaps. Diversity with ease, God saw that it was good, so he continued. The next day, he filled the continents with reptiles, amphibians, insects, and mammals of every kind. The slither, the crawl, the scuttle, the paw pad and the beating hoof. There was an efficient quality control check and the outcome was God saw that it was good. Behold the tale of life with both wonder and tears. Rocks begat amino acids. These clustered into single cell organisms, gulping sulphur and carbon dioxide. What is toxic to us was their lifeline until the rise of the stromatolites. Stromatolites photosynthesized, begat oxygen and poisoned the rest. There was an oxygen flood. There was an oxygen holocaust. There was an oxygen revolution. There was a chance for complex life and the opportunity was taken. The next revolution was shells as life armored itself in the rocks that had birthed it. Then followed the vertebrates wearing their shells on the inside Skeletons evolved with jaws to bite. Skeletons evolved with legs to walk. Skeletons evolved to reach great heights upon the continents dinosaurs strode. But just remember, 
with the creation of every new creature, there will be another joining the ranks of extinction. Behold the tale of life with both wonder and tears. It is easy to separate the time when God created humankind. It was a new day and God was ready to make a creature in the image of himself and his angel associates. Dust was the only component in God's starter kit and from dust Adam was formed, inanimate, lifeless. God blew consciousness into Adam through his nostrils, gave him a garden with good plants of every kind, offered him his pick of the animal kingdom to choose a best friend. Adam definitely rejected the crocodile and whilst he considered the cat or the dog, he found that none of them were quite right. So the ever helpful God anaesthetized Adam and whilst he was unconscious, God took a spare rib to create Eve with. Eve was sexy and she could hold a conversation and while she may have been made from mere bone, Adam was made from mere dust. So it's not really that unequal, is it? But God gave Adam the right to name our gender and he called us woman. It's hard to separate the creation of humans from the creation of placental mammals. We owe a debt to the stem mammals, the ones who changed the structure of their skulls, who brewed the talent to warm their blood, who shed their scales for fur, who pulled their legs up straight to stride instead of scuttle. We owe a debt to the ones who began to lactate. Behold the true mammal, how small the bodies, but how large the brains, teeth with peaks and valleys to puncture, shear, grind and rip. Behold mammalia diversity and watch those monkeys climb down from the trees. The tails shrink, the lower back stiffen, size ever increasing. The great ape is a force to be reckoned with, but he is still chased by megafauna. Stand up, hominin. Shed your fur to sweat. Sweat to outrun them all. Rotate your thumbs, build your tools, turn around. Now it is humans who will chase. All the rest will run.
On Community Radio 3CR, this is Spoken Word, and our guest in the studio is Laura Fisher. All right then, Laura, I have to ask, I've been in this situation with a few guests before where there are religious references in their work, and I want to know why. But just before you answer, as always, I lay my cards down on the table. I am a 100% convinced atheist. But I do want to know what Genesis, your poem that is not the first book of the Old Testament, is all about. Um, yeah, well, uh, it might sound like I'm a 100% atheist, but I'm actually not. I do believe in God, and I was very inspired by some parts of the Bible um, as a teenager, but other parts of the Bible um, are very problematic and difficult to simulate with the uh, scientific findings that we have. So I kind of really wanted to try and make the story of creation from the scientific viewpoint and the religious viewpoint come together. Um, and I, I don't think I succeeded, but that was my best shot. I think, I think it was brilliant. And, and you know what I really like about what you've just said there? Because, you know, now we've both put our cards on the table. I think what I like about what you said was that you appreciate and, and have really understood and articulated the contradictions and the irony of the story of Genesis and, and a whole lot of other aspects to the Bible and Christianity. Uh, and that is something that not a lot of Christians can do. Well, I mean, the Bible, is, as well as being um, a religious text, it's also a fantastic historical text of uh, what happened at the time. Um, so the, the flood in Noah's Ark, there was actually a, a massive flood in the Middle East at that time. So uh, whether you're religious or not, there's so much that can be learned from the Bible. And um, I don't think it should be dismissed, um, you know, just because you're an atheist, uh, don't dismiss it. There's a lot of interesting historical stuff in there. Absolutely. Um, and um, not only is it a historical document, it is very great literature. It's extremely well written. And uh, I might point out as, as a very far left-wing political person that one of the great biblical scholars was an atheist, Frederick Engels. He knew the Bible back to front and wrote about it. Uh, oh, we could talk forever about this, but look, you, you've got another poem there, haven't you? Yes, um, this is Reedy Heart. I first met my heart when it blobbed out on the earth. Seeping steadily, blood to ground, soon the red spread all around. Before we'd only spoken on the phone, sent a few emails, and back in their day there had been faxing. Yet now I face my heart if I stare straight down, like a scarlet slug, a liquid sighing water bomb one quick smack and the whole thing's gone. And who can stitch up disposable rubber to gather together emotional blubber? I carried on heartless, feeling more than ever. With nothing to give, turned out I had spare. The more that was taken, the more that was there. Supplies and supplies, oh, the sensitive me. With moods made of china, dreams as deep as the sea. Perhaps that bloody bogey my chest had hacked up wasn't really my heart, it was just something yuck. Or perhaps hearts are like eggs in the ovaries, thousands for a lifetime, endless possibilities. Yet I don't feel good, I have no scented core, I'm spreading and spewing, can't take any more. So I pray to the heavens, to the spirits, to the trees, it doesn't really matter 
who will listen to me? Please make my heart indomitable. So it grew to the size of an oak, its case as tough as stiff bark skin with a spine like the base of a bed. All was mighty, towering, bulky, monumental. Yet, one stormy night, a single crack of lightning split my trunk heart apart. Electricity jumped from twig to roots, leaving cooked smoky bark. So I prayed to fa fairies for a heart made of reeds, something that can duck and bend, not an organ that easily bleeds. I prayed to the boggets, dwarves, trolls and gnomes, but they are small and shifty. A heart that can swerve and dodge is much more thrifty. But I haven't got a reedy heart, so still I pray and pray. If I don't get the core I need, I won't live out all my days. The challenge looming up ahead is worse now more than ever. Please give me a heart of reeds so that I may live forever. On 3CR Spoken Word, you have been listening to the voice of our guest today, Laura Fisher. Well, we've nearly come to the end of the program. Before we go out with one more poem from our guest, and by the way, Laura, thank you so much for coming into the studio today. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. And uh, I should say, we have hopes that Laura will join the team of presenters of Spoken Word soon. It will be great to have you with us. But uh, anyway, uh, first a few community announcements. 3CR Spoken Word is on every Thursday morning, 9 to 9.30, 8.55 on the AM dial, and you can get it on the web at www.3cr.org.au, either live or replayed on request. And it's also on our website that you'll find our podcasts. That's www.3cr.org.au. So... I'll go out the same old way, the tried and tested, and here's my radio voice, Santo Katsati, signing off and shutting down. That's it for me. Until the next time, and let's hope there is one. Today's spoken word will finish with Laura Fisher, who'll have a bit of that. I'll have a bit of that. You can't mean me, unless you mean my body, presumably. You can't have my arm, because I like to juggle. You can't have my hand, because I like to do handstands. You can't have my finger because I play the piano. You can't have my breast because none of my bras would fit and bras are very expensive. You can't have my leg because then I couldn't dance. You can't have my foot because then I couldn't walk. You can't have my toe because then walking would be painful. You can't have my eye because then I'd need to get a new passport photo. You can't have my ear because I want to hear clearly what you say. You can't have my nose because I like to smell chocolate. You can't have my tongue because I like to taste chocolate. And tell you all of this, that you can't have a bit of me. And if you mean something else, then say what you mean.